blimey. How dramatic for the debut podcast to be an emergency one. Chelsea sack Thomas Tuchel after the 1-0 loss against Dinamo Zagreb. And we don't even have time to get into the whole which manager will take uh, take over because it appears Graham Potter is going to be the man that Chelsea see as taking the club into the future. Now, it's interesting to me because systematically they're very similar with their three at the back, a lot of emphasis on the wing backs. I think the one thing Graham Potter will provide is better patterns of play, more speed and quicker transitions, both in and out of possession. I'm really a big fan of how Graham Potter's got Brighton set up and it's fascinating to see how he's going to do with that next level of player. But what does this mean for Chelsea when they've been so sort of slow, pedestrian? It's going to be interesting to see how it progresses and how quickly Graham Potter can get results out of the same group of players as Thomas Tuchel. Now, it will be beneficial that he's got players that are adjusted to using the sort of 3-4-3 shape. Uh, Thiago Silva, I presume, will resume as the central of the back three. And it will be interesting to me to see which players uh, Potter puts in as the two outsiders. I mean, big money's been spent on Wesley Fofana and Khalidu Koulibaly. So that's what immediately comes to mind. Um, although Brighton have often used a player who's more comfortable playing a fullback position there as well. Yeah, Dan Byrne at Brighton and more recently uh, Joey Veltman, who at a flick of a button can switch to playing right back and suddenly they're in a four-man <laughs> four back line and the shape's completely changed. And that catches teams off guard. So... Just because there's three centre-halves doesn't mean it's it's going to be the right fit there. I think the move of Graham Potter taking over will be beneficial to Ben Chilwell and Rhys James. They'll be given the licence to, to bomb forward, to attack, and obviously we saw the best football of um, Michael Correa when he was in charge uh, at Brighton. So it's beneficial from that viewpoint. It's obviously clear that Todd Bowley's a massive fan of Brighton. Um, and it seems to be Brighton are a massive fan of Todd Bowley. They seem to be very, <laughs> very pleasantly surprised at how willing he was to spend the extra money on uh, Kukureya. Now, it's going to be interesting to me to see what happens up front. Brighton are almost strikeless at times with um, with Pascal Gross up there. It may be um, Trossard. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes Welbeck will put in a shift up there, but even then he's not a back to goal quality striker. He wants to be running in the channels. He's played a lot of his career on the wings, so it will be interesting to see what happens with that um, front two or or one with two wingers, because that's the other thing. Um, Thomas Tuchel is a big fan of the three four three. Not much has changed. It's been a very, very pedestrian system. I think that's the one thing I take away from Thomas Tuchel's time in charge of Chelsea. It's very slow. It was controlled, but without dominance. 
fair enough, you have a lot of the ball, but where are your chances coming from? He couldn't really get goals out of his team. If they went 1-0 up, that was usually a good sign, and they could tend to keep it at 1-0. But yeah, I just didn't see goals from them. And the way Brighton and Graham Potter's managed to get goals out of a strikerless team is outstanding. I mean, Alexis McAllister has really come on leaps and bounds. Pascal Gross seems to know exactly where to be at the right time. And Trossard as well is uh, chipped in. So maybe that's something more we see from Chelsea. And it should be Raheem Sterling's sort of salivating a little bit. Just <laughs> really excited to see where that front three grows and progresses. But if Graham Potter takes that free man system, flips it into a free 5 2, that could open the doors for Connor Gallagher, who played his best football at Palace as that sort of marauding eight. He had the freedom to get in and around the box, to press high. I think that's exactly what you want to see him doing. Thomas Tuchel's tried to bring him into a flat two in midfield alongside either Kovacic or, or Jorginho. And it's not worked. He's not looked as good. He's not, he hasn't looked comfortable. You need to give him the freedom to attack. Um, and I think that's the way to do it. I think if you put him in that three with Jorginho, with Kovacic, I think we will see better results. I think it's still also clear that Chelsea are still rebuilding. They are in desperate need to just sort of modernise their team a little bit. They need more mobility in midfield. They don't. They still don't have that central striker. Um, but I'm interested to see how Raheem Sterling sort of plays in this in this role. He seems to be these days better with the ball at his feet. I think the passing and movement of Graham Potter's setup will benefit him massively. Um, I think he's going to be really key those attacking areas and almost playing that Leandro Trossard role of floating in and around the area. You can't really pick him up. You don't really know where he's going to arrive in the box at. Um, so yeah, it will be, it will be interesting. Uh, I mean, there's question marks on how Aubameyang comes into this. Um, is he similar to Danny Welbeck? I guess he is a little bit, but whether he's willing to put in the work that Graham Potter will want him to do, similar to similar to that Welbeck role that Brighton have been playing. Obviously, he's supremely talented, but for me, the main question is, how does this all come together? I'm a really big fan of Graham Potter. I'm glad a top six side is taking the punt on him. Is Chelsea the right place for that? I think, structurally, he can progress that side along quickly I'm interested to see how he coincides and sort of merges the personalities of the big money players I mean it's a bit of a cliche but will they listen to what may be deemed as a lesser head coach I think that's a struggle that sort of Brendan Rodgers has had in the past uh, and there's many more who have obviously clear coaching abilities but then there's a there's a level beyond that where egos get in the way now I don't particularly see that from many of the Chelsea players I think the English boys will 
sort of relish the opportunity to work with Graham Potter a little bit. Um, Will and Aubameyang, who's just come off of a headache with Arsenal and a young coach in Mikel Arteta. So how willing is he to put in a shift and back his back his coach? I feel like Mason Mount and Dennis Zakaria could really come to life in this in this team. So Dennis Zakaria arrived on deadline day. He's a exact type of profile I could see from that defensive midfield role for Potter. I think he's going to do everything that is required. I think he's going to be able to play within that structure. I think his his size, his physicality, his way of playing will open up more for the others as opposed to Jorginho. I think with his athleticism, almost in a Kante style, it's like having two defensive midfielders. And then you could play a Mount and a uh, Conor Gallagher as a more traditional 10 and 8 and get them in and around the box alongside of Raheem Sterling, alongside of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. But yeah, I'm, I think in in total, I'm very interested to see how this all comes together. But I wanted to take a note on Thomas Tuchel. Um, obviously, he won the Champions League with Chelsea. He's won the Club World Cup. Um, it's a bit savage almost to uh to see him get sacked you kind of get reminded of the the fickleness of modern football but I wasn't really entertained by what he offered to Chelsea as I say it was very controlled he had lots of possession of the ball I don't think he had that that pace I don't think he had the sort of movement patterns and little bits of play that are going to open you up it felt a little bit like let's get it to the wing backs and inshallah um yeah spam some crosses in see what happens but I didn't see I didn't see a real structure defensively um and it was probably too structured in in attack it was very pedestrian it was very one-paced you could sit back and Chelsea this season looked fragile Talking from a Fulham's perspective, I was salivating, licking my lips at the idea of coming up against this t- Chelsea team. Unfortunately, the, the new manager bounce or the, the bounce off a of sacking, you can never predict. And it's a weird thing in football. I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea on Saturday suddenly play in their best 90 minutes of the season uh, and get, get all three points. And it's weird. It was, where was that the last few weeks? But I'm interested to see what the Chelsea fans' perspective is. I've not taken too much of a look on social media. Um, But it seems to be quite shocking. No one seemed to expect the sacking quite yet. I think we could feel the, the pressure building, the eyes looking. What's going on with Chelsea? Ultimately, they're still sixth in the table. They've not had a shocking start to the season it's been disappointing they're not at the pace of a uh, city or even arsenal at this point or even tottenham they've not looked that impressive but they're only sort of five points off arsenal four points off city four points off tottenham so how disappointing has it really been but that's why i'm interested in seeing what chelsea fans are saying 
In fact, let's have a look. Let's have a cheeky look and see what's happening on the old uh, Twitter machine. So top tweets, all just talking about Tuchel being sacked. Let's see the Chelsea statement. I'll have a look at the replies on there. Uh, right, well, there's so, <laughs> so much nonsense in Twitter comments. Why have I done this? Why have I done this? It is interesting that Chelsea made the d decision to do this a week after the transfer window closed, where you brought in Aubameyang, who was, by all accounts, I mean, quoted as saying that he was excited to be working with Thomas Tuchel again. Uh, you spent a long time chasing Wesley Fofana. Marco Correa was going to be a big part of the of the system. So, what changed in a week? What changed in the week? What did you expect in that week after after the window closing on? I'm a bit I'm a bit confused, but as I say, I've given up trying to work out the logic. It now appears to be Graham Potter who's going to be taking on the Thomas Tuchel transfer window and trying to make something of it. But we've seen this it apparently just seems to be the way that Chelsea operate, new owners or not. Who's going to be surprised if uh, Graham Potter goes and wins a trophy and then ends up sacked next season? It's just uh it's just the Chelsea way apparently. But it was interesting to me this summer the difference in the, the profiles of the Chelsea signings. I mean, they added Carney Chukwameka from Aston Villa for twenty million, uh, Cesare Casade from Inter Milan for thirteen million, Gabriel Slanina for eight million. So yeah, it was interesting to me that Chelsea were investing in the future. And have given the reins of these talents onto another manager. And they've done it for for years now. They hope that they took all this talk and investment in the academy. And they do hover up all the best players around the country and Europe. And they, they wonder why sometimes they don't get bled through or worked out. Because they, there's never anything settled in place. It's always a manager trying to protect his own job. They've been fortunate to bring through what they have brought through because it's chaotic. It's chaotic to bring in, set up a new system and then rely on early 20s and teenagers to to be the difference. I mean, thankfully for them, Rich James brought through excellently by Frank Lampard. Again, Mason Mount as well as famously a personal favourite of his. We've seen our Armando Brogia this year sort of hovering on the hovering on the cusps of uh, getting a start, but that's still not quite happened. And will Graham Potter take that punt? If he wants a number nine, he's probably the only pure number nine in that squad. I know Aubameyang's a striker, but I'd call him more of a forward. Um, Whereas Broya is more of that classic image of uh, of a striker. Um, so yeah, it will be interesting to see how this all comes together. 
I think there's still areas in that squad that need that need solving and looking into. Um, personally, not a fan of either of their goalkeepers. I don't think you can rely on Kepa, and I don't think you can rely on Edouard Mendy, which is hilarious because that's a hundred billion pounds worth of goalkeepers. And where would they rank in the division? If you were doing a NFL-style draft of all the goalkeepers in the Premier League, where do you take Mendy and Kepa? Maybe that's worth an exercise at some point. Maybe maybe that's the plan. I always kind of like that of assessing where your squad is. Whereabouts would you take them compared to your division rivals? But, I mean, it's Edison. Allison, so it's not one or two. I'd rather have Loris. I know I can rely on Loris more. Ramsdale's a very good young goalkeeper. He's promising. I'd rather him. Robert Sanchez from Graham Potter's previous club. Excellent goalkeeper. He's been superb since coming in. Um, so are they top four? David De Gea, I'd have over either of them, so they're not top five. You tell me. I'm interested in your thoughts. You tell me, where do you think these Chelsea goalkeepers rank? How many goalkeepers in the Premier League would you take above them? Nick Pope, there's another. David Raya, I think I'm having either of them. Burns Leno, who's just moved from Arsenal to Fulham. Three million pounds. Three million pounds versus a hundred million pounds on goalkeepers. And it's hilarious, and that's a problem, because it's such a vital part of... It's your last last barrier of defence, you need a goalkeeper who's going to be able to win you points. When you give up that one chance or two chances that happens in a game against the smaller clubs, you need your goalkeeper to step up. Will they step up? I, I don't have faith in them. Don't have faith in them. But it's interesting. It's, a, it's an ageing squad. The Chelsea squad seems to be either old on the older side in their 30s, young on the younger side, early 20s, or Raheem Sterling, or Matteo Kovacic, I'll let you have him. So they are in that period of needing rebuilding. Thiago Silva's 37, Koulibaly's 31, Azpilicueta's 35. But then on top of that, you've got 22-year-old Rhys James, 24-year-old Mark Correa, 21-year-old Wesley Fofana, Jorginho's 30, Kante's 31, Kovacic is 28. Even then, maybe I'm being generous. But then there's Mason Mount at 23, Conor Gallagher at 22. It's the same up top. It's Aubameyang, 33, or Pulisic, 23. Raheem Sterling, 27, or Brozier, 20. Zayesh, 29, or Havertz, 23. Do they have enough players that are in their prime? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe they've got too many players that are either young and promising, and don't get me wrong, Rhys James, top player. Top, top player. Mason Mount, lovely footballer. But do they need more players that are coming into their peak that have had good, good amounts of football and are ready to really kick on and enter that sort of 28, 29, 30 range where they're really coming of age? I don't get that feeling from Jorginho, even though he's 30. I feel like we've seen the best. He's the same age as Harry Kane. Harry Kane feels like he's getting better. 
Harry Kane feels like he's playing the best football of his career under Antonio Conte. And maybe that's the difference. Maybe Graham Potter is going to really bring these players together and improve them. And we've seen that from Brighton so far in his tenure. We've seen the improvements. Like Alexis McAllister came to Brighton from Argentina and he sort of floated around a little bit. Looked a good promising player, but this season he's taken it up a level. Came from Boca Juniors, if I'm right, or Argentinos Juniors. Enoch Mwepu. Or even the players that have left this summer. Mark Kukurea. Came from Giuseppe as a, as a promising left back. Graham Potter turned him to one of the best in the league. Basuma. He was he just came from Lille, I believe. Turned him into one of the best ball-winning defensive midfielders in the division. And you you hope for Chelsea that that's going to be the case. I think that's the sign of a good coach. Not what style of football do you play? What systems do you play? What formations are you going to be set up in it? Can you take a group of 25 men and improve them year on year? Because if that's the case, you can start investing in your Carney Chukwu makers, in your Cesare Cassidy's, in your Gabriel Slodinas. Because if you can take these players and improve them week on week, month on month, year on year, your money goes so much further. It's the same with having a productive academy. If you can get a £20 million player out of the academy, that's £20 million you don't need to spend elsewhere. It's basic football business. Basic. And when you're a, when you're a Chelsea, the only teams you have to fear about nabbing your players are Real Madrid and Barcelona. Sure, Man City might have a little bit extra cash, but I don't think it's so much of an upwards move that players are going to stomp their foot down and go, no, I have to leave. I want to leave. When you're playing for Chelsea, you're playing for a big club in London. The only two clubs that can steal your talent are Barcelona and even then financially, can they? It's a good other side question. And Real Madrid. And they also bring the, the pull of Spain. Who doesn't want to live in Madrid? Who doesn't want to live in Barcelona? I'll tell you what, I'd move to Barcelona tomorrow. All it will take is a, is a job offer on the same money. But if you're moving on Barcelona, you're probably getting more. Finance is dependent. So yeah, it's very interesting to me to see how this all plays out. It's the first time in a while that a Premier League club has taken a punt on another Premier League manager. I'm talking top six. I'm thinking Brendan Rodgers moving from Swansea to Liverpool. I'm thinking Pochettino, Southampton to Spurs. I was going to say Man United with Solskjaer, but that's uh, I guess that's got the aspect of um, being a club legend a little bit. And even then it was from Mould, right? But still, it's... There was a trend of going for... The former player in their first job. We had Arteta, we had Lampard, 
um we've got we had Gerard at Rangers there was a little trend happening where that was the case are Chelsea about to kick off a trend of I guess mid-table non-top six clubs moving up upwards do we need to keep an eye on Thomas Frank's potential career do we need to be keeping an eye on I don't know Bruno Lage who knows who knows? The other thing is, I think the other top five are very settled in their positions. I don't see Antonio Conte going anywhere. Eric Ten Hag needs to build something at Man United. He needs to be there for three seasons at least. Antonio Conte's a... Uh, let's say, a bombshell. And then there's Arsenal. Mikel Arteta's having his best year after being allowed to rebuild. Is that the template? Does Chelsea just need to give Graham Potter two, three windows to rebuild? And by that point, let's say two, three years, you've got Reese James in his mid-twenties. You'll have Chilwell entering that those prime late-twenties years. Wesley Fofana will be entering his mid-twenties. Conor Gallagher as well, Mason Mount. Maybe that's the case. Maybe you just need to be patient. Let it build. Let it build and success will come. Because the thing is, Chelsea can't go and compete with Man City tomorrow. I mean, you just can't. Man City have got too much power financially to improve window on window while still being the best in the league. They have too much firepower. We've seen it this summer. They won the title. They won the title and got better. And maybe that's where Liverpool have gone wrong this year. They came second and got worse. And surprisingly, or unsurprisingly, not in the hunt at this point. Arsenal are getting better. But Arsenal have been getting better year on year. Just you you can't you can't match fat Mind City's title power. So maybe the way around it is to be patient, to build a squad, to develop your long, young players. To have a system that suits everyone. Maybe that's where Graham Potter's the perfect perfect manager. He's shown that his football can do damage in the Premier League. He's shown that he can improve Premier League players. He's shown that he can develop young players. And he's shown he can get points in the Premier League with Brighton. Theoretically, why can't he do that at at Chelsea he's fourth in the table right now at Brighton he's lost one game at Craven Cottage who finally uh, hosts Chelsea potentially Potter's first game on Saturday their one draw was a nil-nil against Newcastle but a game most people say they should have won they had chance after chance after chance they've beaten Brighton uh, they've beaten Brighton blimey hell <laughs> they went to United and won they went to West Ham and won. They beat Leeds, who were coming off a 3-0 win against Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea. They smacked Leicester at the weekend. They were outrageous on Sunday. Alexis McAllister, again, can't believe I've mentioned him twice. I think this is a good move for Chelsea. I'm surprised by it, though. I'm surprised Thomas Tuchel... Got the chop, but I think it's a good move. I just hope Chelsea's new ownership 
I'm going down the line of Tuchel had a short line because he wasn't our guy. He wasn't the man we put in charge. Graham Potter, you are. Now build something, brick by brick, window by window, year by year. But it's not going to happen all at once. I don't see Chelsea competing for the title this year. If they can win an FA Cup, do something in Champions League, maybe semi-finals, or win the League Cup as well, that or that or the FA Cup, that would be a successful season. That and continued European football, that's what you don't want. You don't want to drop out of it. Sometimes it's beneficial. You don't have to worry about playing on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. So sometimes it is beneficial, but I think there'll be too many pressured eyes if Chelsea do take that drop. So yeah, this was our emergency, emergency debut podcast. I was been trying to get this done. I was going to record tonight to do just a general football overview, um, news of the week, what's happening. But this was too big of news to not give its own sort of half hour. Future pods will be touching that sort of hour mark, I imagine. Depends on the news. I don't want to start giving boundaries. I don't know when the next podcast will be. It might be this week. It might be next week. It might be two next week. It might be one this week and another next week. So who knows? I'm still trying to figure out the vibe I'm going for. Is it preview style? Um, I eventually want to have guests on. So let me know who you'd like to see on the podcast. Um, so yeah, this has been a slice of orange with uh, Frankie Taylor. I've enjoyed talking Chelsea, Tuchel and Potter. Uh, and hopefully you'll join us next week.